Welcome to Mapping Healthy Minds, a podcast from Compass Counseling that asks the question, we all have mental health, how's yours? I'm Justin Lewis. Depression is possibly the first idea of what people think of when mental health is brought up. It is widely diagnosed in America with an estimated 16.2 million adults having experienced a depressive episode just in the past year. That's nearly 7% of the population. It's safe to say if we ourselves haven't experienced depression, someone we know has, and even if we haven't experienced full-on clinical depression, certainly we have suffered from some of the common symptoms. With me to talk about this subject is Jennifer Roberts, a therapist whose training is in social work, and she also has some graphic design skills. The logo for this show was designed by her. Welcome to Mapping Healthy Minds, Jennifer. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is a first for me, and I'm very excited to be here. I said in the opening that depression is probably the first thought of mental illness. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I would say it's very common. The A lot of the things when people say it's either depression or anxiety, those are the most widely normalized and common ones. Whenever people feel like they have some form of difficulty with their mental health, it's probably the ones that it's most identifiable with the majority of the population because like you said, most of us have experienced it or a close family friend has. So even if we don't know about it from firsthand experience, we can have a pretty good assumption about what it feels like and how it affects majority of most people. Why do you think that is, that people experience that in our society more than anything else? I'm, I'm, it's not going to be one thing. It's probably going to be everything between you know job stress and life stress and everything else. And you know differentiating between clinical depression and situational depression. So situational is like, I'm depressed because I lost my job mm-hmm. or I'm getting divorced. Whereas you know, in clinical depression is more long-term, it's pervasive, it's, you know, it's unwavering. It's not really specified to a specific kind of event or life adjustment thing. So there's really no way to say concretely what, why we experience it why it's the most common it's just Mm -hmm. unfortunately the nature of the beast a little bit okay well let's talk more about the the difference between clinical and situational okay if someone is experiencing what are some common symptoms for someone that would be in a situational situation situational situation that somebody would be (laughs) in a in a state of situational depression Uh, Okay, so it's typically uh, short-term. It's part of an adjustment period. So what is short-term? So within like a couple of weeks to a couple of months, but usually less than six. Okay. Give or take a little bit. Um, So situational is short-term. It's the same kind of depressive symptoms. Because somebody that feels the symptoms of depression, they don't think about short-term. They think this 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 is is terrible right now. Yeah, this is right. This is my new reality. I'm never going to feel better. And that's a lot of it. So it's um, feeling like you are lack of interest in things that you used to find pleasurable. You have trouble getting out of bed in the morning. You don't really have motivation to do anything. And it's just, it's one of those like really heavy things that sits in your chest and it makes you feel like it's going to go on forever and ever. Uh, but with situational, if it's tied to a certain period of time, typically as time progresses, symptoms alleviate or they decrease in frequency mm-hmm. and intensity. Whereas um, if you're in a major depressive episode of clinical depression, it they it does a little bit of fluctuation, but it's harder to map or track, I would say. Yeah, it's it's important for 
us as mental health professionals to be able to recognize the difference, but for the person experiencing it, right. it feels really, the same. Yeah. Okay. So it feels the same. Mm-hmm. And, and so as far as treatment, what do they need to do? Well, uh, if you feel like you're struggling with any form of depression, regardless of the type, because as Justin said, the difference is mostly for the professionals. Uh, But if you feel like you suddenly have a lack of interest in your life or things that you used to find pleasurable and you feel like it's affecting your life, you should definitely talk to somebody about it. Talk to your primary care physician and talk about if this is something that you need to explore medication for. Always talk to a close family member or friend. You can talk to a therapist or a counselor or a pastor. We know It's wherever you feel the most comfortable because this is a really personal kind of feeling like you have. And if you feel like this is your new reality and it's not going anywhere, then you need to expand your understanding about and include people into that. So it's not just a struggle that you are feeling like you're facing on your own. So it gives you more support and more information about where you can go for more information, whether that's a group or um, a class, or if that's starting with a therapist, it's just a different kind of, it's a personal sort of thing. So it's figuring out what's the best thing for you. And part of that is just information and knowing what it is and what it isn't and who you can talk to and how it can be helpful. Yeah. So uh, there's plenty of stuff on the internet about everything, right? So there's, there's, What's the danger in Googling depression? Well, that's actually an interesting thing that we've been working... Or is there a danger in it? Well, I mean, the Internet's... Access to information is always good. I was like, however, you have to make sure that it's coming from a valid and a credible source because, you know, you can always find five ways to know that you're depressed from you know, a, an article of some sort, right. but or like a, a Buzzfeed quiz on Facebook right. or something. Yeah. But you don't know, like what is, you know, what's the clinical backing in that? Is this really true? Does everyone get that result? So it's, if you're going to look online for that kind of information, you need to make sure that your information is coming from a credible source. Because if we're all honest, when we're worried about something, the first thing that we do is Google it mm-hmm. and you need to make sure that you're getting, you're filtering through some of the noise of just things that are just on there and not getting misinformation because I mean it's your personal health and you need to make sure that you're taking the proper steps to doing it and you're not engaging in some kind of practice that's not going to be helpful for you or just frankly just wasting your time because if you feel like this is your new reality you know every day and every minute seems like forever so if you're wasting your time with not accurate information or you're you know kind of falling down the buzzfeed rabbit hole it can be hard to like for you as the individual person because you're not trained in what this is and how it can be helpful to know what's good information and what's not um so it's always going to like credentialed websites .govs, .orgs informations or uh, local agencies in your areas most uh practices groups you know community resources have mm-hmm. a, some form of a website and if nothing else just a contact number for you to talk to somebody who knows probably a little bit more about that kind of stuff than the average person would yeah so if you're on the website look for a website that looks fancy basically <laughs> <laughs> well, not necessarily <laughs> fancy, but just it. Well, we know the, we know the look of a professional website, versus right? Yeah, a, um, a little bit more. Someone's blog or something like that. Yeah, a little bit more put together, and it's something that you can go from maybe said article to a another website for additional information, rather than just the quiz that is like, okay, this is the kind of. I don't know, a cartoon character that you are. And mm-hmm. then it, that, that, that's where it ends. And it doesn't really give you any kind of helps or tips or tricks or any of those kinds of things. It's just, here's the answer. You're like, well, is this the correct answer? So, mm-hmm. 
let's say, and we're trying to tailor this for the workplace a little bit. Let's say somebody is feeling these symptoms of depression and they still need to go in and function in, you know, in, in society, including the workplace. Mm-hmm. How could they go ahead and do what they need to do with that? Okay. Yeah, because most of, I mean, our lives don't stop turning whenever we feel sad or mad or any of those things. We have mm-hmm. to continue to find ways to carry on. So if it's if it's specific to the workplace, if you're feeling you know, depressed because of lack of motivation in your job or whatever the situation is, if it's kind of a monotony thing, if you feel like you're doing the same repetitive thing over and over again and there's no excitement there or there's no, you know, motivation to really do well at your work, it's maybe finding different ways to change up your normal schedule. And some for some people, that's simple as just taking a different route into work that day or giving yourself enough space to give it enough, give you the uh, ability to do something different. So maybe it's having lunch with a coworker. If you're feeling isolated at work and you're feeling hopeless, maybe you go a couple of doors down and you're like, Hey, can we, can we talk for a second? (laughs) Or, um, do you want to go grab lunch or I'm making a run out somewhere? You know, do you want to come with me? It's, it's all about feeling connected with people. And Mm -hmm. for most of us within a workplace, we have coworkers in some capacity. Not always do we see them a hundred percent of the time. Mm-hmm. But if you're an, if you're an individual person feeling isolated or helpless or hopeless, connecting with other people is a pretty easy thing to at least alleviate that a little bit. So you have someone right. in the room that's you know maybe you share your experience with them, maybe you don't, but at least you're not feeling physically as alone. There's another person in the room with you. Okay, so even if you're feeling like you only want to be alone and. Eeyore and negative all the time. You need to make that extra effort to connect with people at the workplace, mm-hmm. or at least try to. And you know, and obviously, every workplace is completely different. Not a, not always socializing is not always encouraged. Right. Uh, but it's you know when you have the, the those breaks, those coffee breaks, those sort of things. And if you're feeling sad all day every day, and you have a 15 minute break, and everyone's in the workroom, maybe you don't completely engage in the conversation with your coworkers, but you put forth that effort and you try because then you're, that's 15 minutes that you weren't also sitting in the corner and feeling really upset and sad and feeling like nobody else understands you and all this sense. And because if you share that even a little bit with your coworkers, most people have experienced it at some point in their life too. So just feeling like you're not the crazy one in the room or that you're the only one that's ever felt this way is really important and empowering, mm-hmm. especially if this is the first time you've ever felt depressed before. So sharing some of your experience with a coworker, but also just feeling the connection of mm-hmm. other people around, both of those things can help somebody yeah. on the workplace. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's say that you noticed somebody at work that looks like they're sad and they're, they've changed their personality and they're isolating. And mm-hmm. what would you do as a coworker for a situation like that? Hmm. Well, I think that depends on, you know, a variety of different factors, how close you are with them, how often you see them. Um, and obviously you don't want to be overly pushy if you have a dramatic change in a coworker's participation level or their humor or they're not laughing and smiling at work. Mm-hmm. You don't probably don't want to bombard them and be like, what's wrong with you? Because that's maybe a little bit aggressive, but maybe just, you know, hey, is everything okay? Like, do you want to talk? And then letting them kind of make that choice whether they want to engage with you or not. Um, Because it's a, like we've said before and repeatedly, it's a really personal and it, it, feeling depressed in any capacity, it makes you feel like you're alone and like no one understands you and that this is the, you're going to feel this terrible feeling forever. Mm -hmm. And so you have to give someone the option to do so, but not try and swoop in and fix them. 
because everyone's different. Everyone's personality is different. Um, if I walk into a coworker's office and I'm just like, what's wrong with you? You haven't been smiling and laughing. And you know, he's an extremely introverted person. Like that interaction is really overwhelming for him mm-hmm. and he's not going to like it. Right. And then that was just a complete waste of the whole time. And it did, it was not helpful for that person. Mm-hmm. So knowing your, knowing your coworker, knowing the environment of your workplace, and kind of tailoring your approach. If you notice a close friend or a coworker acting differently than they used to, uh, meeting them where they are in that. And if you know that they're, you know, a really quiet person, you probably don't go in there telling the whole office that why has he changed like this and you're not laughing. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's just probably yeah. not going to be helpful right. for that person. Sure. So you know, tread lightly, be supportive, but don't take it in an aggressive kind of way, and just let them know that you're there for them. So if they do want to have that opportunity to talk to you or anyone else in the office that they can take advantage of that, but that's got to be at their own pace and on their own terms. Okay. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to a manager or a boss, what kind of responsibility or role could they play in a situation where they notice one of the employees is acting sad and depressed and isolated and that sort of thing? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so if you're, if you're a boss um, obviously you want all of your employees and coworkers to function well because that improves productivity and that just makes the workplace as a whole a really supportive and caring environment and if one person's feeling kind of down you want to make sure that they are feeling that support and that they are able to do that so that the job is just not another area of stress and pain in their life so if if I'm a boss and I notice that an employee of mine is not um, being as productive at the same level that they used to be. And that's, again, that's a dramatic personality shift or mood shift for them. And I'm concerned. So I might approach them in a way of, you know, hey, what's going on? I just have noticed that you haven't been completing your work on time and I just want to check in with you. Part of that's because, you know, I run a business and I need to make sure that everyone's doing what they need to do. But it's also, I approached it from a caring and compassionate kind of area. And I want that person to know that they are supported not only by their coworkers, but by me as well. Mm -hmm. And so that if something is going on and they needed a leave of absence or if they needed to leave early for the day and just to kind of tell people what's going on, so that it's not just feeling like you're not performing because you just decided that you didn't want to that day. Yeah. And this is a place for us as professionals to make a plug for therapy, I think, right? And a, a place to say... <laughs> right here. <laughs> a place to say uh, that providing mental health services for employees mm-hmm. and normalizing the use of those services, not only whenever things are, are you know, at the edge, but at any point when you start feeling a certain way, because the earlier you get help with this, the better, mm-hmm. right? And so what would be like a first sign for someone who's starting down that road of depression, so to speak, so that they can try to head it off before it gets too far and mm-hmm. you're too, down too far into the <clears throat> spit, uh, <laughs> down too far into the pit? Mm-hmm. Well, something that's really common whenever client, whenever people talk about depression is feeling like they are the only one and that they're isolated in that way and that nobody really notices. So mm-hmm. if you recognize that, you know, your person, your, your coworker is not coming to the break room as often or those. What about recognize it on yourself though? What The first things that you start to recognize before you really start to take on all those symptoms. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like what is right. the way for you to recognize it in yourself? So some of so those, you can take some action, right? Preventative action or early action, that sort of thing. Like we, have been equating it to physical health in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. taking care of our physical health, being proactive on, on that sort of thing. And we start to notice, oh, well, 
my knee feels slightly, mm-hmm. something's not quite right, so I'm going to go to the doctor, is better than, okay, I've gotten to the point where I can no longer walk on my leg. Now it's time to go to the doctor. Right. Like what can pe- people look for with depression to get them in that place so that they go to therapy before they get to the point of being able to get out of bed? Mm-hmm. So something like a change in your eating pattern or your sleeping pattern, um, anything that's n- like out of the n- normal for you, because depression, anxiety, regardless of what it is, it is, you know, a physical kind of manifestation of that feeling and it mm-hmm. comes out in different ways. So it could be, you know, long-term tension headaches and you feel like that's problematic or most often whenever clients talk about it, it's the first thing that brought them into therapy was I can't eat anymore and I can't sleep anymore and I need to do both of those things to survive. And I want to know why, because I did, this is not normal for me. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the most like concrete changes in ourselves that people are like, whoa, like, okay, this is something that's going on. This isn't just like a passing. I'm not just moody today or any of those things. Like this mm-hmm. is something that is affecting my life in a variety of areas. Like I can't eat and I love to eat and I can't sleep and I have to do that so I can get up and go to work and take care of my family and all of those kinds of things. Okay. So those are two of the early things that a person can notice is mm-hmm. appetite and sleep habits. Right. And if those things are getting off track, then it's time to come in and approach mm-hmm what's going on in life with a therapist and Mm -hmm. I think it's good for the person to know that if they come in and there's not you know a catastrophe happening in their life therapists are not going to judge them for coming in too early so to speak oh no not at all it's going to be good uh, all the way around because we can help put in some Mm -hmm. uh, strategies to keep it from going to be catastrophe Mm -hmm. so I think that's good for people to know is that it's never too early for therapy Mm-hmm. I mean, it's never too late either, but we, we really encourage people to take care of that physical health or mental health in a way that prevents them from going too far down the path and having a hard time getting back up. Mm-hmm. And not judging your own experience because you feel like what you're experiencing, why you're depressed, you know, the trauma that you've experienced, that it's like it's it's little in comparison to other people. Because if we compare ourselves in that way of like, oh, I bet you hear, you know, all these, you know, people that have a reason to be depressed. And I was like, your feelings are 100% valid, regardless of whether you feel it's a, you qualify it as a big thing or a little thing. If it's affecting you, then it's important and it's valid and we need to talk about it. Because oftentimes people try to apologize for how they're feeling or they try and compromise it and say like, oh, this is not that big of a deal or I'm sure other people have it worse, which... I mean, if you're going to compare, obviously that's always true, but people always have it better as well. But because you can't put yourself into that kind of a spectrum because your feelings are valid and the depression that you're experiencing and the way that it's presenting in your body, it's there and it's there for a reason. And it doesn't matter whether it's a big thing or a little thing, it's it still hurts you and it's still Mm -hmm. 100% worthy to be talked about. And there should be no stigma about feeling that you haven't experienced enough or it's not a big enough deal because those are just, those are just not true. Right. Right. I agree. Those are all good things. So let's say someone's feeling a little bit of depression right now. What is something simple that they can do to try to turn that around? Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's something like keeping a gratitude journal or um, doing something that you typically used to enjoy but you've kind of fallen out of the pattern of it Mm -hmm. Um, because oftentimes if we resume our normal patterns in a small way it can help kind of 
reintegrate ourselves slowly back into the way that we used to feel about that so if i i love to cook so if i'm personally feeling a little bit out of balance or depressed and i haven't noticed that i've been cooking for a while maybe i don't cook you know a giant meal but i bake a cake or something Mm -hmm. so you slowly kind of put yourself back into the place where you used to really enjoy yourself and it used to really be fun so you're giving yourself an alternative narrative for i'm going to feel this way forever and this is never going to go away because you used to feel good about certain things Mm -hmm. And so you have to put yourself back into the space where that can happen again. And it might be slow and it might take a while, but you are, you know that you enjoy those things and it will just give you the opportunity to engage with them again and to feel that kind of thing and know that this is not forever. And this is not something that it's not your new reality. Okay. Mm -hmm. One thing that I want to ask is in your opinion, what's the problem with the mentality of, why don't people just suck it up? What's the, what's the problem with that one? Yeah, you know, there's there's the thought process that exists of, mm-hmm. I can't believe all these people need help. Why don't they just deal with it and move on with life? Mm-hmm. Well, if we just deal with it and move on with life, it doesn't go anywhere. It just sits there, and then it gets buried deeper and deeper and deeper, and then it just it becomes exacerbated over time. And there's just if you don't address the problem, of course, it's not going to go away. Like. If I have a splinter and I don't, if I don't do anything about it, it's going to get infected and then I'm going to have to go to the doctor. So if the end result is always me talking to a professional in some capacity or going to the doctor, why did I have to wait the extra three months to go there? It's, it's always about yourself because it's easy for other people to have a judgment about you or your mental health or your circumstances because they're not living them and they're not in them. And so you have to decide what's important for you kind of regardless of the stigma because it's, it is important and it is valid and you shouldn't have to compromise what you want or what you feel purely because other people tell you to just suck it up and get over it Mm -hmm. because it's easy to say for them to say that because they're not, sitting in the depressive episode right now Mm -hmm. and they don't they have an alternative narrative about like life is still great and it's rainbows and sunshine but for you it's not and that that is not helpful kind of language to use with somebody right yeah Mm -hmm. okay well anything else that you would like to add about depression whether that's in general or depression at the workplace probably just to know yourself know your body and don't be afraid to ask questions because in any part of the area where it's your health whether it's your physical health or your mental health or your emotional health if you don't know what's going on and if you have a question about when you're talking to your doctor about it and they mention medication or if you're in work with your therapist and they're saying well let's try this if you have a question about why that's going to be helpful like we always want you to ask that we don't want you to just be like a yes you know yes that sounds good because it's not it's not for us it's for you these are just helpful ways to help you do that and we want you to be able to take charge of your mental health and have that kind of empowerment so if you have a question always always ask don't Mm -hmm. act like you know we're not going (laughs) to pretend like we know everything because we we don't we're human as well but we are definitely on your side and if you have a question about it just ask whether it's your therapist or your pastor or your your doctor it doesn't matter because we all want you to get well and that's just kind of the collective desire to see you do well and to see you improve and that should really be helpful and empowering so that you can kind of take control of the way that you go with moving forward with whatever area that you decide to choose for how you address your personal you know mental physical and emotional health well that reminds me of a question that i get a lot and you probably get it too so people listening to this may have it and that is what's your opinion on medicine people ask me that a lot do i need medicine for this 
And so how do you usually approach that question? Ooh, that's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I guess I can tell you what I do and let you have time to, to think there. It. So I've had plenty of people over the years ask me about medicine and if they should take it. Some people are strongly opposed to it. Some people want to have it and some people are somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I usually give this analogy when it comes to taking medicine for depression that it's kind of like whenever come, people come here and they're depressed it's like they've driven a car into the ditch and they're sort of stuck in a ditch and they Mm -hmm. are having a hard time getting out on their own. And depression medicine can be like a tow truck that puts them back on the road Mm -hmm. and therapy can be uh, something that helps them, guides them as they drive down the road themselves. So the medicine isn't doing everything, Mm -hmm. therapy isn't doing everything, but all together it's working as a team to to help that person get better. So that's how I kind of approach that yeah no I really like that I might steal that that's kind of, that's really it's <laughs> really interesting uh, so if a client ever asked me about dep- you know should I take medication should I talk to my doctor you know obviously you know I'm not a doctor so you have to talk with someone who's qualified to make those kinds of conversations and it's the same thing about asking those questions whether it's your primary care doctor or a psychiatrist like always ask those kinds of questions I always usually approach from you know we're we're mental health professionals, we are big believers in medication, but when it's necessary and when it's helpful, because if you don't have to take medication for something, and if you can find a way to have a personal kind of adjustment and do it on in a way that you don't have those medication side effects, those kinds of things, you know, that's kind of ultimately up to you because you're the one that's putting it into your body. Mm-hmm. It might be helpful that maybe you should have that, I might suggest, maybe you should have this conversation with your doctor because we've been doing this for a long time and there's this crucial kind of feeling that's unwavering of that there's this depression thing and we've talked about other things but nothing that we've attempted to try in therapy skills wise or coping wise has touched this so you just might want to explore that conversation with your doctor but that's not me telling you that you have to be on medication because i can't do that Um, so it's just you have to recognize what you want and if you're interested in it just talk about it if it's just not something that you're willing to consider then you know that's okay too so Mm -hmm. it's just trying what you feel like is best for you and then if that opportunity presents itself or if that's another option down the road then you know maybe we can explore that again later but no one's going to try and force you to -hmm. take medication if you don't want to because you know it's it's personal you're putting that into into your body and you have the rights to choose about that so sometimes depression medicine is necessary and sometimes people can overcome depression without medicine is that what i'm hearing you say there yeah i mean it's it's not it, there's no one size fits all right. that's why there's you know 14 or 15 different kinds of depression and anxiety medication so it's a part of the puzzle for a lot of people but for some people it's just not and mm-hmm. you know it's you have to figure out what's going to be the most helpful for you because some people just can't stand the side effects mm-hmm. and the side effects of taking that even if they do have a really you know positive effect from the medication the side effects that 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 there's a there's a balance there sure it's the and side effect the worst worth the uh, medication to treat the depression right? right and so it's you know it's having those kinds of conversations and if you can you know talk to a psychiatrist talk to a psychiatric nurse practitioner because that's their whole job they specialize in medications that are tailored for specifically you know mental health issues and your primary care doctor can do the same thing as well but it's like 
going to a specialist, going to like a podiatrist rather than just your general care doctor, Mm -hmm. because they are going to have a lot more information and be able to tell you, you know, what might work and what might not work. And there's a shorter list there. Um, So if you can always look that up, look that information up and just call and ask questions, even if Mm -hmm. it's just to, you know, their helpline or their office manager and just being able to have an idea so that you are able to make that informed decision. Okay, very good. So one last thing. On a scale from zero to 10, how depressing is it to work with Justin Lewis? (laughs) (laughs) Not depressing at all, Justin. You are are a delight, and it's it's really fun to um, just have you here and it's been a good time not depressing at all he is he is excellent everyone come and see him it is really he's really a treat <laughs> all right i wasn't fishing for that at all but thank you jennifer so much for joining me on this podcast and and uh, giving some of your expertise on depression and just a means of a reminder for our audience this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for professional counseling for personalized therapy you can contact us through our website compasspaducah.com we offer both face-to-face and telehealth services now all information about the services we offer can be found there again that is compasspaducah.com and this is one part of a series that is discussing workplace wellness and the mental health piece of that mapping healthy minds is recorded in the compass building on 2204 kentucky avenue hosted and produced by me, Justin Lewis, and made possible by Compass Counseling. Theme music is by Daniel Niehoff. We all have mental health. How's yours? <laughs>